Hello, Mzanzi, and welcome to episode 210 of Farmers Inside Track. To the regulars, you know me, I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, and welcome to Mzanzi's favorite farmers podcast. And I see you all over the globe listening to us also. So thank you so much for all of your continuous support. Now, soil scientist Sikolise Mguinga initially had her eyes set on a career in medicine. But in the end, agriculture stole her heart. And today she is thriving in the industry as a senior analyst in sustainable agriculture for Green Cape. In this edition, she talks more about her fondest childhood memories, what led her to pursue this career, more about co-authoring a book on conservation agriculture, and so much more. I really had fun chatting to her, guys. She's so awesome. Sikolise, it's been such a pleasure to get to know you and welcome you here on Farmers Inside Track. I met you a little while ago and I had to have you on this podcast. So welcome and I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much, Don, for having me. It's such an honor, I'm not going to lie, to actually have to talk about my experiences and just to inspire people, especially those in my field. So I'm honored. Thank you so much. Now, tell us about your growing up years, you know, one or two of your favorite memories, your childhood memories. There's so many things you can recall, but if you can think about that one thing that makes you laugh and smile and just warms your heart. First and foremost, I grew up in a very, very, very large family. So when my mom and dad got married, we were staying with my dad's family. And I'm not too sure if you really understand the closer culture. I'm not very sure if it happens in other cultures as well, but my dad is sort of like the eldest. So the idea was for him to be at his home so that he can basically continue with the legacy. But as time went by, they decided with my mom that they wanted a home for us, which was just us and my siblings, where we would basically get a tune of how they would like to raise us, like the intricate details that wouldn't necessarily make sense in such a big setup as the one that we grew up in. Around 1999, I remember I was quite a bit young then, but we moved to our new home, which was quite weird because now it was just me and my siblings. But it was a very warm and loving and very intimate situation. So I'm a second born to six. There's six of us. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Big yeah, fan. Three boys, three girls. So I'm the second born. So one of the most beautiful memories I think of when I think about home was when we would play this, I don't know, like I don't have the English word for those games that we used to play, but it was traditional games where we would skip rope and play with stones. I think it's called poker in my language. I'm not too sure how to translate that to English, but we would play with my mom. And one specific one that sticks with me, even when I look at my life and the path that I've chosen as well, is we really enjoyed farming. So we had a little garden and during the planting season, my uncle would come with oxen to plow our field. So one of the most beautiful memories that I think of now is how he would basically force me to lead those oxen. And basically as they pulling uh, one of the implements, either during planting or during spraying season, and I'd be the person leading the livestock. I mean, you can imagine how scary that is as a young child. But for some reason, I always felt like I developed a connection with the cattle. (laughs) I felt like I developed a relationship with the cattle. I would just give them orders. And it was 
such a beautiful thing. It got to a point where I was basically like the best ox leader when, like, during planting season, which was quite beautiful. Hello. So those are some of the memories. <laughs> those are some of the memories I think of. Growing. So it was a very warm and loving space. I mean, lots and lots of tradition. And yeah, like you could tell that I'm the girl that comes from the deep rurals. I must say, I'm getting goosebumps. You describing your childhood and how it was. It sounds so romantic. You know, sometimes people say, don't romanticize agriculture. You made it sound so romantic to me. (laughs) I wish I was there. I wish I was the seventh child in that family. <laughs> Please come join us. There's still space for anyone who would like to join. No, but it's I a bunch it. of crazy. <laughs> I love it so much. Now, I guess this is where you know your love for agriculture really started and you pursuing your career as a soil scientist. Like I was saying, I've always been involved in agricultural production. So, like I said, it would be from a point of assisting or even leading the livestock. But as I got much older, it was involved in me cooking for the people that were doing like the planting operation, the seeding, the hoeing operations. But I must say, one thing that really fascinated me in all of that journey was, again, I'm not trying to romanticize agriculture, but it was really about how we were involved in producing food, but at the same time bonded as a family. We would listen to my dad's dad jokes, which were still weird. I mean, he still cracks the worst jokes. So it was such a beautiful bonding session and it was, it was always nice. But the reality is that I never, ever really wanted to do agriculture. I actually wanted to do medicine. So I applied for medicine in, I think, two different universities when I was in grade 12. But sadly, I was not admitted and I had to think of the next step. And for some reason, it was agriculture. So I feel like agriculture chose me. I did not necessarily choose it. And when I did it, as much as I grew up doing it, I hated it. I'm not going to lie. I hated it because especially back then, because I enrolled for my degree back in 2009. That was when I was a first chair. It was associated with poverty. It was associated with no education. So basically, people didn't understand that you could actually the science behind agricultural production, you know what I mean? It was that setup, but I'm not going to lie, one person who I think till this day who ignited my love for it was my lecturer. This is now second year, which is 2010, who had a book that he called the Soil Science Bible. So he took me for a course, which is Introduction to Soil Science, and that is how I fell in love with soil science. And at the time, I was enrolled for Bachelor of Agriculture, just generic Bachelor of Agriculture. But after that first lecture, I was like, there's absolutely life in this thing, and I'm enrolling for soil science. And that's how I became a soil scientist. Wow. <laughs> I think your journey has been absolutely amazing. And you've already shared so much about how you got there, what led you to it, and how you feel about the industry But maybe you can share some of your career highlights. What do you love most about what you do? What is your why? You're currently a senior analyst in sustainable agriculture for Green Cape. So talk to us more about the day-to-day of your job. You know, what gets you up in the morning? Again, it goes back to my childhood, just to touch on before I talk about the career highlights. But so one of the things that I've always wanted to do or get into is Again, because when I got into agri, it was just associated with subsistence farming. 
it was associated with just people wanting to produce food from farm to fork. So it was not necessarily a thing of promoting it as an agribusiness. So my biggest dream has always been looking at agriculture from an agribusiness point of view, and not just agribusiness, but understanding the science that is involved in agricultural production. So I think that's how my journey as a soil scientist interlinks so well with the kind of work that I do here at Green King. But choosing career highlights, there's so many, I wouldn't know which one to choose. But if I were to try, I'd probably narrow it down to just two highlights. I think the very first one for me, which was sort of not necessarily a confirmation that I'm on the right path, but one of those things that was like, girl, you got this. When I graduated my honors with a cum laude, and I think at wow. the time I was the <laughs> black female that is to ever graduate their honors with a cum laude. And I mean, we were such a small group of people. Soil science was not attractive at all when I joined the University of Forte, but it has been progressively picking up numbers. So it was such a beautiful and affirming moment for me. So I'll choose that. And the other one was, again, graduating my master's in soil science. And the reason I'm choosing this one is mostly because of the number of opportunities that it opened for me. I mean, from publishing my scientific papers to one of the books that I co-authored in speaking in on, on conservation agriculture. So I think for me, those would be the biggest highlights. In terms of my day-to-day at Green Cape, so Green Cape, for those who don't know, it is an NPO. The mandate that it's driving is to promote the widespread adoption of economically viable technologies in the green economy space. So this is basically, we work under different sectors such as the energy, water, circular economy, and I focus on the sustainable agriculture sector. So my job is trying to identify green investment opportunities in sustainable agriculture and support farmers that are wanting to shift to a more sustainable agricultural production system. And my work is particularly focused in the Mpumalanga province. That is why a lot of it now touches on the work that's happening in the space, decarbonization, looking at how mines can rehabilitate land and put it back to agricultural production sustainably so. So that is basically my day-to-day, a lot of stakeholder engagements, a lot of research, just understanding the economic landscape of the province and the different opportunities that make sense for Tempumalanga province. So that's currently my work and what I do on the day-to-day. Just hearing your passion and, you know, the work that you put in and just your journey within agriculture, it sounds absolutely amazing. But there's one thing that I want to maybe pick up on that you spoke about, and that is the book that you co-authored titled Conservation Agriculture in Africa, Climate Smart Agricultural Development. Talk to us about this and also more about your work within the agricultural, regenerative agricultural practices. This was done in partnership with the University of Forte, which is where I did my MSc, Masters. Yeah. So it was a conservation agriculture project that had wanted to identify the best practice and the best rotational practices that you can venture into to unlock what conservation agriculture is, especially in the context of your smallholder farmers. 
So it was, there was a number of students that were part of that big project because it was a long-term conservation agriculture trial. So it was basically looking at two studied sites with different climatic, it was two different sites with two different climatic zones in two different climatic zones. One was the semi-arid Alice, which was where the University of Forte, which is where the University of Forte is. And another one was in Pandulaz, which is Hogsback side, which is much more humid. And wanting to identify how climate, how soil types, how the practice itself has an influence in different soil quality measures in your crop yields, in your everything. So we got to to then have an opportunity to 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 present some of our work in 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 that book, which was part of a collaborative effort uh, between um, the, the 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 lady who was doing her PhD at the time, Dr. Linda Muzangwa, and our supervisor, Professor Mgeni, and two master's students, which was Isaac Bura and myself. And so we basically put the data that we found. So I was particularly focusing on the microbial diversity, enzyme activities, how these different climatic conditions, soil types, and basically different farming practices influence or affect the microbial diversity of the soil, which links again to why people should get into sustainable agricultural production. So yeah, I think this, those are some of the really great highlights, having to showcase that work, having to speak about it on such big platforms as the, 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 the book that we described that work in. So it was, it, was, it was quite nice. It sounds lovely and I would like to get a copy of it just to get some insights you know, in, this, in that space and also more of the work and research that you did on it. You mentioned earlier the time that you had graduated you were one of the few black women to do that. But I think, I don't know if you agree or not, but this is surely changing, you know, with more growth opportunities for women specifically within agriculture. Do you think that this is the case? And how would you suggest we progress a little bit faster? What would you do differently if you were, say, agricultural minister for the day? First of all, I'd like to say that there has been progression in the sector. There's now quite lots and lots of women that are getting to, into the space. Yes, again, because in reality, back in the day, it was not necessarily like that. It's beautiful to see a lot of women tapping into the space, wanting to take up space and really loving it. Because it's one thing to just enroll for a degree, but it's another thing to really be in it, to be in it. So we are seeing that quite a lot, that women are really wanting to, to take up space. I remember when I attended a conference, I can't even remember the year, but I was going to present some of my, I think it was honors findings at the time. So it was a combined Congress, still way back in the days. So when we got there, it was not only an industry that was dominated by men, but it was mostly dominated by white men. So it was such an intimidating space, but to see the progression of women tapping into that has been the most beautiful thing for me. And I think one way that has also helped to accelerate that is having conversations like these ones, where you're saying, there's that one person who actually made it, how did they unlock that? 
And what are some of the intricacies that are involved in just grooming yourself to become that woman in agriculture? Even with the different funding opportunities that I that exist in the space, they've been very much targeted towards promoting women to really tap into the space. So I think that's one thing that I would really commend uh, the work that's happening in the space. There's been a lot of mentorship programs as well, because I remember I was mentored as well by this lady who was doing a PhD, who was my senior back in the day. So I also offered the same, uh, I imparted that to my, the people who were my juniors. So it starts little like that, as little as that, to have conversations about what sorts of challenges are you facing as a woman in the space? Because the reality is that the complexities between just being a woman make it quite a different or a harder stream to navigate through the most encouraging and people are seeing that there's people who have actually made it in the space. So if I were to the minister, oh, for just one day, first of all, <laughs> I'd like to commend again the agricultural space on the work that's happening. But I think a lot of uh, the work that I would probably do just as an add-on to what's already existing, because there's been a lot of significant growth in the sector and in the space. But I think it would be targeted around skills development and not just having a degree, but having an exit strategy for graduates. Because I remember I was listening to the Minister of Higher Education and Learning where he was talking about how we need skills in the agri-sector. And I'm like, wait a minute, these skills actually do exist. The only thing that is not there is the exit strategy. You find a lot of graduates who have done amazing in the space, but there is no exit strategy through maybe internship programs, mentorship programs, apprenticeship programs, which capacitate everyone to, or these people to actually be competent in the jobs to be competent in the agri-space because the reality is that what you find or what you do as a module back in university is not necessarily the same as what you encounter when you are in the working environment or in a professional environment. So it's those capacitation, capacitation, capacitation. I think that's the one thing I would hone in if I would be the minister and just develop programs that really speak to that. I can probably just um, agree and say that even in my dealings with people within the industry, this is definitely something that they comment on. Um, mm. Needing these opportunities, graduate opportunities, you know, what happens after you've studied? Where do you go? Where do you find placement? And it is a struggle. So, so I think that would be a very great approach, actually. As we close off, as we wrap up the conversation, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you. If you could leave like yourself a message from, say, five years ago, um, what would that be? And also, if you're listening to this podcast in 10 years time, inshallah, what would you say to your future self? This is such an emotional one for me, really and truly. I, When I looked at this question, I was like, I can't even prepare for this because it's so emotional. I wouldn't even know where to begin. But especially speaking to me five years ago, if I had an opportunity to actually speak to myself five years ago, knowing the things that I know right now or the opportunities that I've been exposed to right now. But one that I think is my key takeaway is that education never forgets. 
because I remember there was a point I actually struggled to find a job. Well, this happened for many years, actually. The one thing that made it to never show was the fact that I kept on like pushing and I was at school the entire time. But the reality is that I struggled to get a job. So back then it felt like, why did I even do this agriculture thing? Why am I in it? Why do I even love this thing? Because it's not serving me in the way that I would have loved it to. But again, education never forgets. If I had known that, I probably wouldn't have been so stressed as I was then. What I would like to say, and maybe to listen to myself say in 10 years from now, it would be, we got this as a country. It's about time we take up space. Next up, and before we let you go, we celebrate this week's hashtag Soil Sister, livestock farmer Winnie Gininde. She talks more about her amazing journey in agriculture and more about life on the farm. She has dedicated her life to the sector, sharing a wealth of knowledge built up over the years. As a child, she was struck by lightning and talks more about the challenges that comes with it. It was my father's dream because in the early 90s, when I couldn't even believe there would be such a thing as owning a farm, when he said he wanted a farm, we said, no, we don't want to be farm, to be farm dwellers. And when he got the farm, I said, let me go to the farm for three years and help him out. And after that, then I know there can be others who can manage, then I can leave the farm. But it was highly impossible for such to happen. I ended up falling in love with being in the farm. The first reason being health-wise, I've got a neurological disability of which being in the farm, on a, being on a quiet environment, it assists me and I work on my own space, so it allows me to be able to work more effectively as compared to in the high stressful kind of area because of the brain problem. It cannot be treated as such. It just can be managed. So in 2012, that's when I became full-time on the farm. I was struck by lightning on my right-hand side when I was young. I think I was doing grade 5. From there, I took treatment. There was nothing much that was showing mentally, but it was only physically on the right-hand side that my right-hand wasn't functioning properly. Thank you so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track. Winnie Gininde, your story is truly inspiring. Everything of the best with your work in agriculture, and for those who'd like to read more about her farming business and journey in this dynamic space, you can visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za. And that's a wrap from me, Donumdu, our producer, Megan van der Fent, and the rest of the Foodform Zanzi team have an absolutely amazing week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.